0: Welcome to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski Podcast. Upping your football knowledge. Class is now in session. Session, session,
1: session. Week one. Week one is here and right around the corner. Preseason has ended. 53-man rosters are set. There will be some changes here and there. Khalil Mackett's traded. Aaron Rodgers, huge deal. Odell Beckham. I mean, there's things going all over the place. Aditi Kinkwabala on with me in a little bit. So this is going to be a great show for you, and I'll just run down uh, some of the contracts. Aaron Rodgers killing it, four-year extension, value at 134 million, 33.5 million average per year. It's a six-year total contract value of 174 million, 29 million average per year. Non-contingent guarantees 79 million contingent guarantees 21 million but the three-year cash that this guy makes 103 million god bless you aaron Rodgers. i love it maybe you could take me out to dinner one time you did whoop our ass a lot when we played but odell beckham he finally got his deal five-year extension value at 90 million 18 million per year um Six year total contract value that's 98.5 million, 16.4 million average per year. The non contingent guarantees, 41 million, contingent guarantees, 25 million, and three year cash, 52.7 million. Um, this is, this is good stuff. This is awesome. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald getting paid. Played with his brother Archie Donald at Toledo. Aaron Donald six-year extension, value 135 million, 22.5 million average per year, seven years total contract value of 142 million. So the average per year is 20.3 million. Three-year cash, 67 million. Um, And we say when we say that three-year cash, you're expecting that's what these guys are going to make. Um, Khalil Mack, you know, the Khalil Mack situation, he gets traded. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but look, I don't to hate the trade. I mean, you, you never want to get rid of a player of that caliber because it's hard to find. No matter what round you're drafting, a Tom Brady in the sixth round, a Khalil Mack in the first round. Plus, he's a Mac guy. Buffalo, got to love it. Six-year ex- extension, value $141 million. It's a seven-year total contract value, $154 million. Um, Three-year cash, $73.7 million. Um, You know, and Aaron Donald set that mark, and that's why it was – this is all from si.com, sportsillustrated.com. If you guys want to check out the rest. But these guys, they're getting paid, and it's good to see. I mean, it's good to see. It's great to see. Shoot, I wish I had a chance to – get one of those contracts but in the end i was actually just getting cut um but we have a lot of good stuff today Aditi kinkwabala comes on with me in a little bit we will discuss everything going down from Le'Veon bell landry jones and josh dobbs situation the backup quarterback in pittsburgh the brown steelers games what's going to happen with that and before we get to that i want to play a little clip for a little clip uh, from Ben Roethlisberger's radio show on 93.7 The Fan today, asking Ben what he expects and if he's a little ticked off of Le'Veon Bell not being around.
0: You know what? Uh, I think you know he wrote me a, a long note before camp of explained what was going on, and, and you know, I, in uh, one sense, I definitely understand what's 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 going on and where he's coming from, and, and and truthfully, this was an opportunity with him being gone for guys like James Conner, Ridley. Um, other guys to get as many reps as they can, and really for guys to get a feel for them as much as them to get a feel for us. I mean, we, we all know that Le'Veon's running style is incredibly unique and different than most. So even for the linemen to, to have James Conner running behind them who hits it downhill, who gets to the hole quick, it's different for the line. So they have to get used to that stuff too. So it's definitely a change for everybody. But uh, I think James, um, you know, really took advantage of the opportunities and has done some great things. And I think you've heard it from some of the linemen and people that have spoke so highly about James and and the hard work he's put in and, um, catching the ball, running the ball and, uh, his conditioning, the kind of football shape he's in. I
1: expect and hope that we'll see great things from him this year, especially early. That was big Ben. Once again, on 93, seven, the fan in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania does a weekly show every Tuesday on his day off. Tune in and listen. Um, you know, Ben understands what Le'Veon's going through. I mean, Ben's been there before. Not that Ben has sat out, um, but he understands. Guys are trying to get the value of what they think they deserve. Um, ben understands. Look, Le'Veon's a great teammate, okay? He's a great teammate. He works hard. Uh, they just want the guy in the building, and I think he'll be back sooner than we think, hopefully for practice on Wednesday. But uh, we'll talk a little more about, bit about that with the DD here in a few. Uh, but I want to go over the divisions and my division winners. Uh, let's start in the AFC East. Of course you're going to go with the Patriots. I don't feel like they're going to have much competition in that division. I, I'm excited to see Sam Darnold's the starter. I called that weeks ago as you saw my clips on uh, Twitter. I think the Patriots though, they're just too good and too well coached. I don't see any other team matching up. The Buffalo Bills named Nathan Peterman the starter. Look, I know Peterman started off bad last year with his five interceptions, but I'm a fan of Peterman. I think he's a good young quarterback. I actually like that decision in Buffalo. The thing is, it'll give Josh Allen some time to watch. I don't think the offensive line is the greatest in Buffalo. Um, So, Nathan Peterman, he has his hands full, but I'm a fan of his. But I still think the Patriots will take that division. I think the New York Jets will be competitive because they have Sam Darnold. I I think Sam Darnold's a young quarterback that will go through his growing pains, but he's a guy that can make plays. He's like a Ben Roethlisberger that can extend plays, and that's what I like about Sam Darnold. AFC North. Oh, the AFC North. We were just talking about You got to go with the Steelers. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Ravens will be next in line. The Bengals and Browns will be even in that division. I think the Browns will be a lot better football team than they have in the past. I'm actually a little concerned with this week's football game with the Steelers and Browns. But um, I still don't think the Browns are good enough to win that division just yet. Steelers will win that division. Ravens will come in second. The AFC South. Houston Texans. Colts. Jaguars. Titans. I'm going to go with the Jaguars. I know. I know. I know Blake Bortles Bortles holds them back, but that defense is too good, too strong, too talented. Blake Bortles will play well enough that they can win that division. I look to the Houston Texans to come in second. Still don't think the Colts are there. I'm happy Andrew Luck's back. And the Tennessee Titans, um, you know, I don't know. They made the playoffs last year. Wasn't impressed with what I've seen with Mariota lately. I think he has to continue to get better as a passer. But I think the Jaguars will take that division. And Houston Texans, keep keep an eye on how fast Deshaun Watson can get back after his torn ACL from last year. But the Jaguars first, Texans second. I think the Texans still make the playoffs this year. The AFC West with the Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders. I got to go with the Chargers, number one, that division. I think they have so much talent with – Philip Rivers and that defense Gus Bradley Gus Bradley was the linebackers coach when I was in Tampa at the time he was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars what I think Bradley does such a good job at is he can relate to his players and he also empowers his players so that defense is going to play a lot better this year being with Bradley for a few years now they're going to play a lot better that's going to be the team to beat I think the Raiders come in second. I know everyone's all distraught over the Khalil Mack trade, but I think Derek Carr is such a special player that um, he gives them the wins that they need. The Chiefs and then the Broncos. And the Chiefs, uh, Mahomes will go through some of his growing pains as well, but he's going to be a good young quarterback. The NFC East, the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Redskins, Yes, I'm gonna do it. Pat Shermer is turning those Giants around. They will win that division. They will outseat the Eagles. I'm looking for the Giants to take that division with Eli Manning's going to be back to his form that he won Super Bowls in. I'm taking the I'm taking the Giants. Eagles coming second. Then you got the Cowboys, Redskins. Really don't care how that falls into place. NFC North: the Bears, Lions, Packers, Vikings. I mean, right now that division. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got that big huge contract he's also probably a little uh upset that Cleo Mack just got traded to the Bears so now he's gonna have to worry about that twice a year uh, but I think the Packers win that win that division uh, no I'm gonna say the Vikings win that division Packers come in second and then the Bears and then Lions Cleo Mack will make a difference. Um, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. They'll sneak into the playoffs. But the Vikings with Kirk Cousins and that defense are just too good. Kirk Cousins is going to continue to even um, do better than what he was doing with the Washington Redskins. The NFC South with the Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and Bucks going with the Saints. 100%. Falcons come in second, and then you got the Panthers and Bucks. Drew Brees, too good. Just got Teddy Bridgewater as well. That defense is getting better. And the Falcons, I love Matt Ryan, but I just don't think they're strong enough to overseat the Saints. The NFC West with the Cardinals, Rams, Niners, Seahawks. Look, the Rams, too talented to beat. Then you got the Niners, Seahawks, then Cardinals. So the Rams will win that division. I think the Niners will continue to do well with Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan, uh, but they won't beat the Rams for that division. The Rams are just way too talented. And McVay and Kyle Shanahan, I think highly of both those guys. And I think McVay has some more talent right now. I think uh, your defensive player of the year is going to be Khalil Mack. You know why? Because he's pissed off. He's pissed off. He got traded. He got that big money. He's motivated. He is going to be the defensive player of the year. Offensive player of the year. You know, I went between Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers. I'd love to see Big Ben win it one year. Um, and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the guy is a freak. So it's gonna be between those two. I can't I can't pick. I can't do it because I want Big Ben to win that one. Um, so we'll see about that. And then Super Bowl contenders. I'm going with an old matchup, the Steelers and the Packers. That's how it's gonna be. The Packers are gonna slip into the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, if you just get him into the playoffs, he's gonna get you to the promised land. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, and the Green Bay Packers with a rematch in the Super Bowl. Uh, But I don't want to waste too much more time. I want to get my girl, Aditi Kinkwabala, on the show. So let me dial her in now. Well, I'm happy to have my girl, a good friend of mine, Aditi. Welcome back to the show.
2: Uh, It's always my pleasure, Bruce. Bruce Gredkowski. I noticed (laughs) you didn't say my last name.
1: Kinkabala, that's my girl. Kinkabala, <laughs> you, you know, my... do you
2: think your dad can? Can you think your dad can say my last name?
1: I think he could because he he was so excited when he met you at Steelers training oh. camp a few weeks ago. He's like, <laughs> he's like, wow, she's so tiny and she's so sweet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, well, do? you know what he said to me? He was like, "You look younger in person." And I said, "Oh my god, that never happens because in person you see the wrinkles." <laughs> yeah.
1: No, he yeah. was. He was like, "Wow," because he's a big fan and he watches you all the Aww. time. My dad. I think
2: that's adorable.
1: My dad is always on all the sites. He knows what's going on. Like, especially when when I was still playing, and my, and my brother's still playing a little bit. He was with the Jets during the preseason. Right. And just got released, but my dad would Aww. always text me like, "Hey, call so and so. Let him know Gino's you know, free. I just saw their center got hurt, and so he's." <laughs> really- <laughs>
2: So needed... he's helping out wait so were you guys competitive like whose career did what you know i
1: was six years older so gino was able to kind of watch me go through it and okay you know when i was at toledo gino remembers that was such a key point in his life because he was still just probably getting into high school and he saw what i was doing at, at the university of toledo and he would come to all the games and then it was kind of like you know growing up in pittsburgh Going to the NFL, I mean, that's just a dream. You don't know how to get there. And I think since I was able to do it, it almost showed him like, wow, it's possible. And even though he's a different position, he's an offensive lineman. um, I think because I I just totally believe in that stuff. It's just a mental. So much is mental. You know what I mean? If you're mentally tough, if you can set your sights and have strict and, and specific goals, I feel like you can achieve those with anything you do. And I was so set on going to the NFL. And I think when he saw me do that, it just opened his mind to say, you know what? That is possible. Uh, Right. So so we weren't too competitive. I mean, I remember I started when I was eight years old and he would still be around. He would be around the football team um, running in pads when he was like two, you know, (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so it was in, so, there's never been a piece of Bruce's NFL career was this long and Bruce made this much money and Gino's NFL career was this long and made this much money
1: well I'm sure right now that's what he's thinking he's like you know <laughs> th- this would be years. I need
2: x number more years <laughs>
1: yeah so he's thinking okay this would be year seven for me my brother played 11 I gotta find a way to keep playing
2: oh that's so funny is there anyone in between the two of you <clears throat>
1: Yeah, two sisters, and they always seem to be forgotten, they say, you know, they like they tell my mom all the time, you always mention the boys and you never mention us, they don't even know you have girls.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's terrible that I asked, I can't believe I just did that, but I wouldn't no, have any reason to run into them, so.
1: No, that's good, and that's oh, why wow. I, I think uh, you reminded me of my sisters, and that's why my dad was just... Blown away meeting you, and just thought you were so sweet, and and of course you do. Aww. You do a great job, and that's why we're chatting today. I mean, what's going on in Pittsburgh? I mean, is our, is our man two six going to show up or mm-hmm.
2: what? You know what? It's crazy, and it's so hard to figure this out. So, just recap for where we are. Le'Veon Bell, from the beginning, and from the beginning, I'll say, you know, from the time he was tagged and from the time that the negotiation kind of didn't finish, if you recall, he did a radio interview about his rapping, even then, I mean, not radio, excuse me, magazine interview about his rapping, he even there referenced it and said he'd probably follow what he did a year ago, or his plan was to follow what he did a year ago, so what'd he do a year ago, the Friday before Final cuts. He came in, he had his physical, he didn't actually sign because it behooved the Steelers for him to wait until that 53 was set because the Steelers had gotten a roster exemption for him. So then on Monday, he came in, he signed, and he had his first practice with his teammates. Right. Well, Friday came and went, nothing happened. Yesterday was Monday, came and went, no sign of him anywhere. No teammate saying that they had any communication with him any recent communication that indicated when exactly he was showing up. And Steelers GM Kevin Colbert releases a statement saying, we're disappointed he's not here joining his teammates, which I think is so telling because if the Steelers were in conversation with Le'Veon Bell, if the Steelers had an idea of what Le'Veon Bell's plan was, there wouldn't be this, uh, this statement out there. You know what? I'm just thinking about as we're talking. Hold on one second. I'm just messaging one thing. Sorry. As we go there anyway. So that's where we are. Marquise Pouncey yesterday said count on him being there on Wednesday. And I very specifically asked Marquise. I said, count on him being with the team on Wednesday because that is what Le'Veon Bell has told you. And He said, no, but if I know Le'Veon, he'll be here. And so what I feel, Bruce, is that Marquise is just putting that out there publicly. He's sending a message to Le'Veon. We've got work to do. You better show up by Wednesday.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's – even with Kevin Colbert's statement, I feel like publicly now they're saying, look, man, you're putting your – you know, now it's disrespectful to your teammates. You know, these guys – have been busting their asses all training camp and preseason, and you're still not around for the regular season. And my thought, though, too, is, I mean, he just saw what happened with Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack's a defensive player of the year. This dude's a stud, and the Raiders ship him off. I mean, is there a chance? Is there any possibility? I mean, are the Steelers fed up enough where if if someone comes and says, look, we'll give you two first-rounders for Le'Veon Bell knowing – you're not going to re-sign him after this year. So do you risk maybe you're able to win a Super Bowl with Bell this year, but you know you're not going to re-sign him after this year. So do you take those two first-round picks?
2: Well, that was kind of the same conversation over Landry Jones and Josh Dobbs, right? Right. Everybody knows what Landry Jones' ceiling is. Everybody knows what his value is. We don't yet know what Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph's ceiling is. We don't know. We know that they've improved. We know that they're young. We know, you know, quite a few things. There, there's more potential for what Josh Dobbs can be than what Landry Jones is. Right. If. The argument could be made that if the Steelers are completely all in on this season and this season alone and it's Super Bowl or bust Mm -hmm. this season, then maybe Landry Jones is the guy you keep because he's the guy that Ben Roethlisberger has this relationship with. He Actually, you're a perfect guy to talk about what Ben Roethlisberger wants in his backup quarterback. We do know that Ben has gone out of his way, Bruce, to talk about how much he values Landry, how much he loves having Landry in his room, how much on game day he counts on Landry being kind of his eyes and ears to help him see and know additional things. So that relationship exists, and yet the Steelers still made the plan – for, or still made the move for the long-term help of the franchise, which is keeping the younger guy with more potential, Josh Dobbs. So the Steelers aren't saying that every decision they make is for this year and this year alone. I mean, it's kind of why did they take Mason Rudolph in the third round as opposed to packaging everything they could to jump up in the first round and get an inside linebacker? Yes. I mean, in theory, they could have packaged four picks and gotten themselves Tremaine Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds' brother, who is the starting middle linebacker up in Buffalo right now and is brilliant and is just like the wave of the next young linebackers. We know that they were desperate for an inside linebacker. There were, what, three guys that they could have moved up for. Harold Landry, maybe, the guy that Tennessee moved up for. They they could have done that. The series didn't do that. That's not how they operate. They don't operate for one year alone. They do think long-term.
1: Right, and, and in this situation, and that's what I saw with Landry. You know, during preseason, my concern was – Landry's valuable. He knows the offense. He's going to execute. You can trust him. He's accountable. But sometimes he takes too many sacks. And whether it's his fault or not, the perception is he's taking sacks. Josh Dobbs is kind of making plays if something breaks down. And also, Landry, they only have him for six months, and then he's a free agent. So do you take, like you just talked about, Dobbs and Rudolph? And that's what they did. They said, look, for the long term, we still have Rudolph. And Dobbs, under two, three-year contracts, we're, they're going to be around for a while. So now after the season, we just have to worry about probably extending Ben, quarterback situation taken care of. So that's why they made that move. And now it's like...
2: Well, okay, but tell me about this. What When you were Ben's number two, what did he look to you for? I mean, was that a really necessary, vital relationship?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think the backup quarterback is more important than people think. And not not because of what you bring physically... But also the mental support and the psychiatric help, I would say. on, I mean, you go through so much during a football game, so many highs and lows. And as a quarterback, you can't see it all when you're on the field. And a lot of times a backup quarterback is just, you know, eyes and ears for the starter to say, look, on that play, hey, just remember uh, you have your ex receiver running this route. Or, hey, just remember that safety's starting to cheat towards AB, so you might have Martavius Bryant one on one.
2: Right. Or right. Hey,
1: next time on that third down and ten, if they're if they're going to uh, two man, maybe audible to this play. And a lot of times, like like a guy like Ben, you don't have to throw him too much information. You also you just you wait, and if he has questions, you you know you answer them. But you're also there to support him. I mean, he knows you have his back, and you're not there to be like. Oh, I'm gonna take over for you. You know, it's you understand the situation. The guy's a future Hall of Famer and, and I'm not sure I think I mean Dobbs is a great kid. Rudolph yeah. is a great kid. They're they're good guys. You know what I mean? So it's not like you're worrying about character issues getting rid of Landry Jones. I mean you have good you have good solid players right. And, right. and people in that in that quarterback room. Now, I don't know if Ben's necessarily like tight with them yet, but he will get tight with them because he's going to expect them to help him throughout games or know the coverages or, or let him know what they're seeing. And, and you have to build that trust. So that's why I was well, – seeing- see,
2: but that's what's so interesting. You know, like when when I was covering Eli Manning – his backups were veteran guys, were David Carr and Sage Rosenfels and Jim Sorge, guys that had, and Jim Sorge had been his brother, Peyton Manning's understudy forever. And so he, and the same way I think about Ben, Ben had Charlie Batch for all those years. He had you, he had guys who'd seen a lot of things. And Josh Dobbs, you have a guy who hasn't necessarily seen as much, who isn't necessarily yet better at diagnosing things. than Ben himself is. So that's sort of interesting. But as he said, I mean, maybe Ben doesn't really need that that much, you know?
1: Right. and he But I do
2: think it's interesting, and you and I talked about this a long time ago. I do think it's very interesting that a team that has two super young quarterbacks does not have a quarterback's coach.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, but I think right now is – and that's where sometimes they make decisions based on right now and sometimes it's futuristic, right? Like right now that decision is because they don't want too many – different ears and, and voices going from Ben to the offensive coordinator to the head coach. Now it's just one line of communication. You know, Ben communicates with Randy, and Randy's calling the plays. You know, so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, did you But did you see this coming as far as, like, the Landry Dobbs thing? Like, were you surprised? I did not, no.
2: I was very surprised by it. <clears throat> I'll tell you, the only reason I was surprised by it, though, is because Ben spoke so much right. about Landry. You know, Ben basically made it clear that he expected Landry to be in the room. And I feel like at this point in his career, Ben gets to drive a lot of the decision-making. Right. Um, So in that sense, I I thought that that was – I found that surprising. Yeah. I don't – I mean, here's the thing that frustrates me about the Steelers so much. There is more talent on this team than there is anywhere else in the NFL.
1: Right.
2: And there has been for the last two years. I challenge you to find me another roster that one through 53 has as much talent as this team has. And the last two years, they've fallen short, fallen short in the AFC title game, fallen short at home in a playoff game against a team that they were heavily favored against. So you sort of feel like, okay, talent doesn't mean everything because, look, the Patriots were in the Super Bowl last year with basically only two superstars. Tom Brady and right. Rob Gronkowski, right. okay? And, yes, Matthew Slater is in is a pro bowler on special teams, but still, I mean, you look at how many pro bowlers the Steelers had. Um, so it's not only about talent. It's about how you put the whole team together. And this team last year, this Steelers team last year, Bruce, was just – ravaged by drama I mean every week it was something whether it was where who was out for the anthem or wasn't out for the anthem whether it was um, Antonio throwing a water cooler and Ben then calling him out whether it was Martavis's girlfriend asking for this you know whatever it was it was always something if it was somebody tweeting about a rematch or about somebody saying he might retire or whatever now you've got a fresh start For me, week one always feels like the first week of school. And my husband says I'm such a dork because he's like, (laughs) I never thought this about the first week of school. But for me, the first week of school was fresh. You had brand new notebooks. Everything was clean. Nothing was, you know, like ripped or doodled in yet. There was new potential and excitement and you had no idea how the year would unfold. Well, I'm at the Steelers yesterday, Bruce, and it feels like the same old you know what. (laughs) like, yeah, new year, but like what's different? And And what I mean by that is that, you know, there's like carryover drama. Like, let's just dispense of the drama. Ramon Foster has said this over and over and over again. Let's just win. He just wants a parade. He wants a Super Bowl. That's it. Like, whatever it takes, just get all in on that, period. And, you know, at some point, I imagine they'll be there, but go ahead. Sorry. Let me
1: ask you. No, I love it, but. That brings me back to Tomlin because Tomlin has to manage all these different personalities. You said it. I mean, the talent is incredible on the Steelers roster right now. I mean, from Ben Roethlisberger to Joe Hayden to Le'Veon Bell, if he shows up to Antonio Brown. I mean, Marquise Pouncey. I mean, these guys. It's another level. I mean, you're all pro talking all pro players. Is Tomlin doing a good job managing those personalities? Is it more important to be I mean, that's why I didn't disagree with the Khalil Mack trade. Not that about his personality, but it's about building the right chemistry and team because you're gonna you're gonna win championships like the Patriots did because you have the team and you gel together. Not necessarily because you have all the talent. And I've always felt my personal opinion is Tama does a fantastic job managing all these different type of personalities. I forgot to mention Juju Smith. I mean, the guy mm-hmm. is trying to be more famous off the field than on. And a lot of these young players, that's how they're take, trying to take advantage. And I can't blame them, all their social media stuff. So how do you assess, you know, is it the head coach? Is he doing a nice job? you know, with those personalities, or is it something like, you know what, the Steelers would be better off if they just traded Le'Veon and they made a statement like, look, guys, if you're here, we're going to work with you. If not, you don't need to be here.
2: Mike Tomlin runs his team differently than, let's say, a Bill Belichick does or Absolutely. a Tom Coughlin would. And so he gets paid a lot of money to do it his way, and the Rooney's have given him – Um, full reign to do his way. So I can easily sit here, Bruce, and say to you, look, you know, I came into this league under a Tom Coughlin team. I'm kind of an older school mindset. We know that James Harrison is. I mean, James Harrison very openly said that just in one month with the Patriots, he really appreciated everything there because it was complete discipline. And it's what he knew under Cower and what he always appreciated and liked. It doesn't work for everyone. I mean, right. I don't know. I, right. I, I've i said this. I think that Antonio Brown is a magical player. He works harder than anybody else I have been around, other than maybe James Harrison, but maybe even harder than James Harrison.
1: Absolutely, he, yeah.
2: You know, he. if you look at Antonio Brown, he does not – He's not the fastest. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He doesn't necessarily have the best hands in the NFL. He doesn't necessarily ran the cleanest, crispest, most precise routes in the NFL. He's not one of those bests. but you put it all together, and he's the best receiver in the league. He's the one I would take over anybody else because of his will, his desire, his work ethic, whatever. Whatever it is. Okay, but having said that, I don't know that Antonio Brown is a patriot. I don't right. know that him having his personal photographer and his personal trainer on the field and his kids running on a practice field occasionally and whatever the, you know, associated things are to Antonio Brown. I don't I don't know that Bill Belichick is a guy that necessarily puts up with that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and so I like. Think, yeah, go
2: ahead. No, you go ahead. Say well,
1: it. I was just going to say when I heard James Harrison say that. I mean, I agree. Belichick's probably more detailed and disciplined. But. Guys develop under Tomlin because they're able to be themselves. And it's actually a work environment you look forward to coming to. Why is Eric Decker retiring when he goes to the Patriots? Why didn't my buddy Andrew Hawkins retire when he went to the right. Patriots? Because it's miserable. You do not want to go to work there. It's fucking miserable. You you might excuse my language, but you're gonna win and you win Super Bowls, but you're still going to win in Pittsburgh, but you're going to enjoy going to work. And look at Tomlin.
2: He... I mean, maybe, but you might not win as much. Right. I mean, are you going to? There's, There's still – you know, that's part of the – what are you willing to sacrifice to win? And there are a lot of guys that feel that they don't have the makeup to put up with that. And there are other guys who say, you know, whatever. I can handle that. That's yeah. what I want, you know? And so – When you ask about – Mike Tomlin runs his team the way he wants to run his team, okay, or the way he's decided to run his team. And at the end of last season, we definitely heard some rumblings from some offensive linemen in particular – about the drama and the nonsense and the yelling into the Jaguars locker room before the game and the tweeting the night before about rematches and the looking forward to rematches with the Patriots that never actually happened and et cetera, et cetera, you know, you heard some of that. So I don't know if it's fair to say whatever's going on with Le'Veon Bell colors the whole entire locker room or speaks to the whole entire culture of the team, but it certainly – a piece of what's going on right now, and it's certainly a piece of what these guys all have to talk about or answer. I mean, Rosie Nix is on Bell's best friend on the team, and he's one of the nicest guys. Yesterday, I go up to him, and he's like, I am not. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk. And I said, you don't want to talk about what? He said, I don't want to talk about your boy. I said, he's your boy. <laughs> not mine." Yep. And well, then we had a whole entire conversation about James Conner, and he said, you didn't ask a question. I said, you didn't want me to talk about it. But like, you yeah. can see they're weary. Right, it's day right. one. Yesterday was supposed to be the first day of school. It it's supposed right. to be the first day of week one. Here we go. We're getting at it. We're finally lacing up and facing another opponent that's not us and it means something. And what? they're having to the talk about Le'Veon Bell. Well,
1: I'll tell you what though, like, and I can look, I can stand up for Le'Veon Bell sitting out right now because you know why? I signed with the Cleveland Browns my third year in the league, okay? For the last four games of the season. I signed a two year contract. After that season, I go back early to work out to make this team. After my workout, they release me. They release me. I don't, get, I don't get any money. I get kicked to the curb. But I had a two-year contract. They didn't honor that contract. So now when guys are in this situation to take advantage of their performance and where they've been, look, because if rules are reversed, the NFL does not care about you. They don't care. Well,
2: Bruce, you know what? But let me stop here. And this is a conversation that I actually had with one of your old teammates this morning. This is a CBA issue. And this is the problem with the CBA. And this is why the players caving X number of years ago, whatever it was, was an issue. But the problem is there were too many players who were who could not look – at the whole, at the large, at the future, at the big global picture. There were too many players who were worried about their three- or four-year window to play in the league and make money, and at the end of the day, the lockout was scary, they wanted to sign a deal, and there you go. But basically, this is the worst deal for players in professional sports.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, so to right. sit and here now,
2: I mean, these are the rules that the players essentially agree to. Do, do I agree with you that the whole way that guarantees investing and all of that works is great? No, I don't. I mean, I, I really, truly don't. For the most successful professional league in America to have the players, the people that make that league go, face these const- this constant uncertainty, no, that's not cool. But this is what the players agree to.
1: Right, you well, can't really change
2: the rules of the game right now,
1: and that's what I like. What I like to see about Kirk Cousins' deal. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Look <laughs> at Aaron Donald. Look at <clears throat> the money that's going out now. I mean, Khalil Mack. The the you know. So there's a lot more guaranteed money going in. But you're right. Like this next CBA negotiations. I mean, the players have to stand, but the players also are looking at right now. Like when I was playing during that lockout, you're trying to think, how can I? get to this season just to you know get a contract and make a team, you're not thinking about years down the road because you're probably not going to be playing years down the road. So that's always – See,
2: this is where the mindset is different. Kirk Cousins twice played on a one-year deal. He bet on himself twice, and he was not affected by that. He did not go out there and say – okay, what if I get hurt, or what happens next year, or I need to project myself. He sat there and he said, this is a huge opportunity. I'm making $20 million or whatever it was, right. and I'm going to show everybody, and I will cash in. And, and so I the Steelers' that. hope, certainly, yeah, so the Steelers' hope is that Le'Veon comes in with that same attitude, that he comes in totally in shape, right. that he is in much better football shape than he was a year ago when it took him a month to get going, that he is ready to go, and he is so eager to show, hey, look at me, look at what I got, you teams, you come for me.
1: And he will. You know and, and watch. He's gonna break the bank after this season. But and I'll talk about that being in He's shape. He's gotta
2: show up. He has to show up, Bruce. You're
1: you're right. You're absolutely right. But I'll tell you what, Le'Veon will come in shape. The the question, the thing though is it's not about whether you're in a good enough shape or not. You haven't been playing football. You know, everyone's right. been playing football the last month in in games and against each other and so just little things of Running this route and been thrown it a certain way, or you matching up against a linebacker, you you might you know stumble on your your release or uh, not hit that hole as quick because you're not used to it. So it's not necessarily like is you know in shape, but it's just you're not football ready, you're not football shape, and that's why it takes a couple of weeks to get back in the groove. And that that leads me into the to this game. I mean, against the Browns, are are, are you concerned at all? Do you think this is going to be a good game? Like, how did, how do, is this a different game? I, th- I think it'll be past? a
2: fantastic game. I think it'll be a great game. I think the Browns are not at all the Browns of yesterday. And yes, I mean, I saw some ridiculous stats yesterday. The Ben Roethlisberger is 21 and two versus the Browns. No other starting quarterback has a better record again, has a higher win percentage against one team than that. Um, the, I think the Browns have dropped 13 consecutive openers, you know, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But you've got, I don't know, I need to count the roster. I think there might be 25 new players on the Browns team than there were last year. I think the right. of the 53 right now, it's a totally different team. Now, the man setting the culture, Hugh Jackson, is still the same, but the players are so different, and you bring in veteran guys who know how to win. A year ago, you had... To, the majority of your players had never won ever. Right. You've got a guy like Tarod Taylor who ended a 17-year playoff drought. You've got a guy like Jarvis Landry who works just as hard. You know, works has a work ethic that is akin, is close to Antonio Brown. You've got guys that are really, really hungry. You got you've got an absurd amount of
1: talent. You got yes. Todd Haley that's pissed off and wants to. <laughs> Well, you know what, good, and Todd Haley team. has
2: been – this is something – This I swear this will be such a storyline with this offense, and it's something I've talked about ad nauseum when I am in Cleveland, when I'm on Cleveland radio. Todd Haley has empowered these guys – Jarvis Landry, when he was in Miami, was viewed as a slot receiver and nothing but a slot receiver. Todd Haley is moving him all over the field, and he is telling Jarvis Landry, you are so much more than a slot receiver. And do you know what that does for a guy like Jarvis Landry? It makes him so hungry to prove Todd Haley right. To Rod Taylor, this is a guy that has been counted out every single step of the way. He was the ACC player of the year, and 30 teams said you can't be a quarterback. He goes to Baltimore. He's giving the Baltimore defense fits on the scout team. He can't seem to get a chance. He goes to Buffalo. Buffalo, he ends that playoff drought, and Buffalo can't get rid of him fast enough. First, they bench him for a rookie that, by the way, is starting now. They get rid of him. He comes to Cleveland, and Cleveland, he's just supposed to be a placeholder. And in Todd Haley, he's got a guy who says, I'm going to unleash you. Teron Taylor has never been allowed to run no huddle. Todd Haley has him running no huddle. And I think all these guys feel so empowered by a coach who totally believes in them, and no matter... However he worked out personality-wise in Pittsburgh, the guy is a mad scientist to some degree. He moves people around in ways that they haven't necessarily traditionally been moved around. He finds ways to get them open and free. He's willing to be, think outside of the box, do unconventional things. I think it's going to be phenomenal for that offense. And that offense has a lot of talent. My goodness, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway, and Josh Gordon, if all three of them stay healthy, and then David Njoku as a tight end, that is a ridiculous amount of talent yep. in the pass-catching arena, core, whatever. Yeah. And that's another thing with Terod Taylor. Terod Taylor – you know, when I asked him this very early on, Bruce, for as much as he is praised for not throwing dumb picks, for not making mistakes, he also, there's a knock on him for being too risk averse. Sometimes a quarterback has to take a chance. And I asked him about this. He said that Haley is working with him to be little to take a few more chances. And when I talked to Jarvis Landry about this, he said, that's on us as receivers to prove to him, you can trust us to throw a jump ball. Why does Ben Roethlisberger throw a ball to Antonio Brown that he has no business throwing when Antonio Brown is triple teamed? Because he knows Antonio Brown is going to go up there fight for the ball and if AB doesn't come down with it, he's going to make sure nobody else comes down with it.
1: Well, and he also, Rod
2: Taylor has never had a receiver like that.
1: And he also knows he's not going to get benched if he throws an interception.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, that's true. That too. That, that as well.
1: Th- th- those are But great. you
2: you get my point, right? Absolutely. Those
1: are great points and I loved the Browns moves this offseason bringing Tyrod Taylor in, Jarvis Landry, you know, Drafting Baker Mayfield, the the personality, the mindset, bringing Todd Haley in, so you're right. There's this is a it's a different football team, and that's why I think right. the Steelers need to refocus on the game and and not the Le'Veon Bell stuff and coming
0: to this. Well, that
2: defense, I think there's a, the Steelers have a lot of confidence as they should. But the Browns have a ton of confidence too. It is just, it's not the same team. And that defense, the way that that defense plays, I'm telling you. And Miles Garrett is this is what Al Villanueva said to me yesterday when he was being asked about Le'Veon Bell. He said, I'm not worried about Le'Veon Bell. I'm worried about number five on the Browns. Have you seen number 95 on the Browns? Right. <laughs> yes, I have seen Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is a defensive end who looks like he was created in somebody's lab. I mean, yeah. I don't know that they make – I did not know that human beings were born that way. Yeah. But, I I mean, it'll be it'll be a great game. It will be a great game. And also, let's not forget, Bruce, the Steelers have a habit of playing down to certain teams. And they also have a habit of not starting really hot out of the gate. Right. So, let's well, see.
1: And that's what I think is just starting hot out of the gate. You know, I don't think <clears> – <throat> I don't think they're going to take this game lightly um, because they know the Browns are a different football team. Um and and I love Big Al, man. I, and that's the thing that's tough for me is, man, I I played with the guys on the Steelers' sideline. You know, I've mm-hmm. played with some guys on the Brown. I mean, Haley coached me, and I love just seeing the competition. I love seeing guys go to work. I'm fans of Tomlin and Randy Feekner. Like, you know, I, I want to see Randy do well this year. Of course, Big Ben. Um, and I love to see the competition. I appreciate the Browns trying to get back to winning football. I mean, us as fans, I'm a fan now. I love watching football and keeping up with them. I'm trying to get to your level, Aditi. I mean, you do an <laughs> outstanding job. Stop
2: you hardly. Know, I
1: just, just want to have, <laughs> have TV surrounding me watching all these games on Sunday. I'll actually be in Utah State. So I'm calling the Utah State-New Mexico State game on Saturday night. So, oh,
2: sweet.
1: Yeah, so I'll be traveling back uh from that. But I, I pushed my flight a little later. Hopefully I could catch most of the um Steelers-Browns game. But, I mean, like you said, I think we're in for an unbelievable matchup. So before I go, when does Le'Veon Bell report? When is your timeline?
2: I mean, well, Marquise Pouncey is his captain, and his captain just said Wednesday. But we'll see. I don't know. I mean, apparently Ben Roethlisberger went on the radio this morning and said that – uh Really, no one on the team has had communication with Bell.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think it's gonna be Wednesday. I think he's gonna be back. I just look, Le'Veon Bell is a good guy. He's a great teammate. He works his tail off. So people painted him in a different picture because I mean, look, right? We understand it, but on a normal day to day, look, fourteen and a half million dollars is a ton of money, okay? But if you are gonna be a teacher at a school and they offer you you know 50 grand a year but you know your counterpart who's great is making 75 grand a year you're going to say hey why can't I get 75 grand a year so it's you know it's part of the business I don't fault Le'Veon Bell for what he's doing I hope he gets back in there sooner rather than later because he's just a huge ass asset to this team uh, especially if they
2: want to go on the Super Bowl run I'm with you I'm with you, but, but hey, James Conner, We didn't. We'll talk about it next time. James Connor has had a heck of a preseason. Yeah,
1: well, Dee-Dee, all right, Bruce. It's always a pleasure.
2: Thank you. It's always fun for me, and let's do it again soon. All
1: right, keep trucking.